Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Are we ready to get into the Word? Someone say yes. Uh, we are in week three of a series that we started a few weeks ago uh, entitled The Kingdom, A Christian Manifesto. And we've been discussing this concept for the last couple of weeks that Jesus spent so much of his ministry talking about. It was the predominant message of Jesus' teachings. Uh, we learned in week one that he mentioned this phrase, the kingdom, 126 times in his teachings, and more so than grace or prayer or many of the other things we attribute to the ministry of Jesus, he talked about the kingdom. And yet, despite its prominence in his teaching, uh, it doesn't seem to get much airtime from the stage or in church today. And as such, it's often misunderstood and misapplied to our lives. And the, the aim of this series is simple. We want to fix that. We want to make sure that if Jesus talked so much about this subject, we understand it and we begin to rightly apply it to our day-to-day lives. Uh, if you've missed any of these teachings, I encourage you to go back, check them out on the podcast, check them out on the YouTube channel. Uh, for those that might be joining us for the first time today, let me offer just a brief recap, some context here. Um, in week one, we offered two different definitions for the kingdom. So anytime you see that phrase in scripture, it can be defined one of two ways, either the person of Jesus or the rule or the reign, if you will, of Jesus. Anytime you read that phrase in scripture, you can substitute one of those two phrases, the person of Jesus or the rule of Jesus, and you will have a, a right definition for that concept. Uh, we also discussed in week one that this kingdom principle or this kingdom lifestyle is inverted. It is an upside-down way of thinking and an upside-down way of living. Hence the upside-down graphic and the upside-down video. Uh, the things that Jesus taught about the kingdom were completely countercultural, not just in his day, but I would say even more so in our day. They, they were completely counterintuitive. Uh, the social constructs, the political constructs, the economic constructs, all of those things were being flipped on their head as Jesus began to teach about this subject called the kingdom. He, he made some radical statements as to what it looks like to be a person of the kingdom. He, he, he said things like, hey, if you wanna be a leader, you need to first learn how to just submit and to follow somebody else. If you want to receive in the kingdom, it starts by giving. And, and then last week, my wife unpacked an amazing concept. If you were here last week and you heard one of the best sermons you've ever heard here at the Father's house, if you wanna be great in the kingdom, it starts with serving other people. And I love the title of that message. It is our mantra around the Father's house. We are here to serve. Great word last week, babe. It was, uh, it was so good. I was not here. I listened to it on a plane. Uh, but uh, such, a, such a powerful uh, word. If, if this is your home church, I pray you get swept up into that. I pray that you ask yourself on a regular basis, who can I serve today? Whose feet can I wash? Hopefully not literally, that gets a little bit weird sometimes, but figuratively, who can I serve today? Now, and with all of these statements that Jesus made about the kingdom, serving, leadership, uh, resources, all of these statements, ultimately, they were framed in such a way where he was getting his listeners, present company included, to ask themselves a very confronting question. And it's the question that we've said we're going to be considering every week during this series. And here it is. The question is, am I a kingdom person? A am I someone who is living according to this kingdom way that Jesus displays in scripture? Have the teachings of Jesus, have the ways of Jesus, have they so transformed my life that everything I knew before Christ has been flip, flipped upside down? Has it changed the way I think about my future? 
Has it changed the way I pursue my goals? Has it changed the way I spend my resources? Has it changed the way I think about my workplace? Has everything I thought before Christ been flipped upside down? Or is the extent of my transformation limited to the way I spend a couple of Sunday mornings during the month? Because if everything hasn't been flipped, then we need to question whether or not we are truly kingdom people. And that, and that question is gonna be haunting today as we go to our text and our subject. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind because I believe the subject we're going to discuss today is one of the most inverted among kingdom principles, one of the most upside down. In fact, I'll go on the record saying that today in 2022, this subject is probably more inverted than it was in Jesus's day as a result of modern conveniences and, and things that we have available to us in our society. Because the, the principle I wanna unpack today, one of my favorite principles to discuss in scripture and often one of the greatest areas of frustration in the Christian life is this. It's pace. The pace of the kingdom. The pace of the kingdom. And to understand kingdom pace, we are going to look at a sermon illustration that Jesus uses frequently in his teachings. I am not the only one to use props in my sermons. Jesus started this whole thing, all right? And the prop that Jesus used quite frequently when discussing pace in the kingdom were these, seeds, seeds. He spoke about the pace of a seed. So today we're gonna to look at what Jesus has to say about some seeds. Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn to it now. We're gonna look at Mark chapter four today. If you have a digital one, you can turn to it there as well with some buttons. Uh, if not, fear not, they will show up on the screen. Uh, but as we go to the word, let me, let me provide a little bit of context about the scriptures we're gonna unpack. Uh, in Mark chapter four, we are essentially seeing a collection of parables. Uh, if that phrase is unfamiliar to you, a parable is a fictional story that displays a spiritual truth in scripture. And the Bible tells us that Jesus never taught without using parables. In fact, at the conclusion of Mark chapter four, it says that every time Jesus taught, he told some stories. Yet another thing that I am not original at doing, Jesus told a bunch of stories. I'm just trying to be like Jesus when I preach. And, and the stories that Jesus told on this day all revolved around seeds. Uh, the collection starts with a parable that's probably familiar to many of us in the room, if you've uh, been in church for any length of time. He talks about a parable of a seed and four different kinds of soil. He, he says the seed is like the word of God or the gospel, and it's sown or it's planted in four different kinds of soil. Hard soil, rocky soil, thorny soil, and good soil. Later, Jesus reveals that these different soils are representative of the human heart condition. He says the, the gospel is planted into four different kinds of hearts. And while it might sprout up, at least momentarily, or for a season in those first three kinds of soil, the hard, rocky, and thorny soil, eventually it will get choked out and it will not last. But if the word of God is planted into some good soil, then it will grow up to maturity and it will produce a harvest that will last for eternity. Powerful parable. If you've never read it before, please go and check it out after the service. Uh, we're not gonna talk about it today because we've preached sermons about it before. Although I will say this, I pray as we go to the word this morning that we have hearts that are good soil and ready to receive everything that God has for us. I, I pray that we do. Hey, just a little reminder. Uh, the life transformation you're hoping for has very little to do with what I say. It really does. According to Jesus, it has far more to do with how you hear than what we say. If your heart is good soil, 
it, it, the seed is the same. As long as I don't pollute the word of God and I just preach the unfiltered word of Jesus, it's not my responsibility to determine whether or not your life is gonna change. And that is relieving for me. That's between you and God. If you're bad dirt, you ain't gonna get anything out of it. But if you're good dirt, then the Lord will produce a lasting harvest in you today. Someone smile at me. <laughs> hey, let's do this. Let's, let's pray for some good dirt in our hearts before we go to the word. Should we do that? Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd open up our hearts to receive your word. I pray that you would weed out criticism or preconceived notions or ideologies or things that would, would make our hearts hard or rocky or thorny today. May the cares of this world not choke out what you wanna to speak to us, but Father, may we be open and receptive to what the Spirit wants to invest in each and every one of us today before we leave this place. In Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. All right, we're gonna look at the next parable here in Mark chapter four, uh, verse 26. It says, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and it grows, but he doesn't know how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, the leaf blade pushes, pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Jesus went on and he said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed that is planted in the ground. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can come and make nests in its shade. So here, Jesus is displaying what the kingdom looks like through these two parables. He says, the kingdom is like a farmer that scatters seed and the kingdom is like a mustard seed that eventually takes over the entire garden. These two stories are presenting to us two complementary kingdom principles. They are sequential spiritual realities that every believer needs to be aware of because if not, we will get frustrated in this journey of faith. And the principle that Jesus is unpacking for us today, which is gonna simultaneously serve as our, our, our sermon title this morning is this. It is the speed of seed. The speed of seed. Um, Robin and I, next Monday, we will celebrate uh, 18 years of marriage. We've been married for almost 18 years now. I feel like I deserve a little more applause than that. I mean, come on. Yes, 18 years. And, and I can say with all honesty, uh, next to following Jesus, being married to Robin has been the greatest decision of my life. I love being married. And I'm not saying that to earn brownie points or, you know, she's like, thank you so much. No, I, I mean that. It's, it's, marriage is awesome. We have a, a phenomenal marriage and I love being married to her. Uh, but although marriage has been a great experience, marriage has also been a learning experience for me. Any married people that can attest that, yeah, marriage is a bit of a learning experience. Yeah, I, I've learned a lot being married. Uh, just a few off the dome, a couple things. Um, I've learned that owning a king-size bed does not mean that you have a king-size sleeping experience if you're married to Robin. <laughs> Robin sleeps like someone five times her size, and uh, she permits me a very small corner, about 15% of the bed, while she sprawls out in luxury every single night in, in our match. And I'm fine with that. I love, I love being married to her. Uh, I have learned that I know absolutely nothing about interior design. And I should never, ever, at any time, under any circumstance, ever, 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 make any suggestions about the arrangement of our furniture in our home because that is her domain. I've learned that. 
On a personal level, I have also learned um, that I seem to care more than the average person about the arrangement of cups and dishes and silverware inside the dishwasher. And not everybody has as deep a passion as I do about the efficiency in which dishes are loaded into a dishwasher. Anybody else have that problem in there? Yeah, okay. Good, I'm not the only sick person in the house. That's good. But uh, among my learnings, perhaps one of the most surprising and significant over the last 18 years, is uh, I have learned from my wife that these things right here are the devil, that microwaves are the devil. I did clean it, yes. I was afraid to put it on stage in its present condition. Yes, I've learned that microwaves are the devil. Uh, Robin has made it no secret that, that she has a great disdain for the microwave. She absolutely hates the microwave. So much so that there was a season inside our marriage where we were, we were not allowed to have a microwave in our home. Like she, she forbade it. It's satanic influence on the Biddle household was removed for a season. Uh, she has since relented and she has allowed us to have, as you can see, the most basic and small microwave that humanity can purchase. And it's not inside our kitchen. It is literally hidden behind a closed door in a very inconvenient spot because she does not want us to use the microwave very often. Now I have, for the last 18 years, because I love her and because I trust her, I have accepted this this broken ideology about microwaves, this prejudice for microwaves, assuming that they were rooted in at least some semblance of research. Like she, she probably did her homework and that's why we don't have a microwave. That ends today. That ends today because in my research for this sermon, I discovered that all of her accusations are completely baseless. And this is not staged, just so you know. I, 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 I prohibited her from looking at my notes for this sermon because I wanted us all to share in this moment together. Eleven is not gonna get this opportunity, okay? For the next couple of moments, I am going to have a conversation with my wife that all of you get to witness. And I'm doing it publicly because I was terrified to do it by myself at our house. (laughs) And I needed protection from my people in the event that stuff went sideways. So a couple of truths about about microwaves, Robin. Uh, Number one, you believe in science, right? You believe in science? Okay, okay. According to science, uh, microwaves do not cause cancer. They, they, they simply do not cause cancer. Uh, although they do use uh, radioactivity to heat up your food, uh, they do not make food radioactive. Um, they vibrate the water molecules that are pre-existing inside food to heat them up. But they don't and have never and will never cause cancer. Just number one, you just need to know that. Uh, number two, uh, it is not toxic to put plastic containers inside the microwave. Most containers these days are in fact microwave safe, and even the ones that are not, until a plastic is heated to 700 degrees Fahrenheit, it does not release any dioxins into the food that is contained inside the piece of plastic. So, so putting plastic in the microwave is, is not as toxic. And number three, perhaps most important, a microwave does not, and I repeat, does not compromise the nutritional value of food in any way. This is a word of God for some of you today, okay, listen. In fact, it has the ability to preserve the nutritional value of food because the nutritional value of food is compromised based on the length of time in which it is, it is subjected to heat. 
And so those things that you think actually work better, like boiling food and putting it in the oven and letting it sit there for a long period of time, is actually worse off for the nutritional value of food than putting it into the microwave because the faster it gets hot, the more of its nutrients it contains when you go to eat it. Microwave, case, closed. To quote the prophet Stephen from Nacho Libre, why you don't believe in science? The science. <laughs> Thanks for indulging me this morning. You're all just missed. Okay, no. Okay, why, why, why are we talking about microwaves, Tim? Uh, well, well, here's why. Here's why I've gone to such lengths to defend the microwave this morning. <laughs> I like it. And I think all of us like microwaves, right? I mean, let's be honest. It's one of the most convenient inventions of our century. Like, this is a very convenient thing. And the reason we like microwaves so much is because they're quick. They're fast. They have the ability to accelerate pace. What would normally take more time and significantly more effort can be accomplished in a couple of moments simply by the push of a few buttons and ding, it's done. And wouldn't it be nice if there was one of these for faith? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice if the moment you came to Jesus, you get water baptized, and like immediately you're holy? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be awesome if like you come to Christ and all of a sudden like I know what the Bible means now, I know all the lyrics to all the worship songs, I stop sinning, I'm not a jerk to people anymore. Wouldn't it be nice if like immediate transformation just took place in, in your life? To, to borrow Jesus' analogy, wouldn't it be nice if you could take one of these seeds and put it inside the microwave and put it in there for two and a half minutes and after two and a half minutes, ding, a tree just was available to you. It just came out fully grown. That'd be amazing. But, but that's not how it works. It's not how life works. That's not how God works, and that is not how the kingdom works. As has been aptly stated, God does not do microwaves. He much prefer, prefers the crock pot, the slow simmer of cooking. And, and if we are going to be kingdom people, we need to learn to get comfortable with the kingdom crockpot pace. Maybe better said in light of our title, we need to learn to get comfortable with the speed of seed, the speed of seed. Uh, come back for just a couple of moments to our text again this morning in, in Mark chapter four. And, and look at what Jesus is, is saying here about the kingdom. He says, the kingdom of God, is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground night and day while he's asleep or awake the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the head of wheat is formed, and finally, 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 the grain ripens. Everyone say finally, 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 finally. What Jesus is describing here with analogous language is, is the pace of the kingdom, the speed of seed. He's clearly contrasting what the regular world thinks about pace and what the kingdom thinks about pace. He's saying, guys, I don't operate on the same timetable that you operate on. In your world, you like everything fast. You like it quick. You wanna immediately work your way to the top of the food chain in your career. You want the relationship to progress quickly. You want the resources and the influence and everything. You want it fast, 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 fast. But in the kingdom, I don't do it like that. In the kingdom, we don't do microwaves. In the kingdom, 
we do seed. And seed moves at a much slower pace. Seed starts by being planted in the ground. And then you water it. And then you wait. And then you water it. And then you wait. And some time passes, and you may not even see anything happening. But you just keep watering and waiting and watering and waiting until eventually, one day, a little sprout comes out of the ground. But it's not done yet. It's still cooking in there. It still needs to grow. So you still have to water and wait and water and wait until eventually, finally, Jesus says, one day that thing will grow up and it will become what it was supposed to become all along. But it does not happen quickly. The pace is completely different. See, what we need to remember when we think about this journey of faith is that everything in God starts out in seed form. Everything in God starts out in seed form. It does not come to us fully developed. And it's rarely expedited. When it is expedited, we call it a miracle because of the uncommon nature of its expedition. But 99% of the time, the things that take place in this journey of faith, they are forged in the maturation process of seed being planted. Everything in God starts as a seed. Your gifting started as a seed. God put gifts and talents and inclinations inside of you. But there wasn't one day where all of a sudden you were the perfect picture of that gifting. No, it took discovery. It took refining. It took development until one day that gifting was, had reached a place of maturity where God could use it to build his kingdom. It took time. It was a seed, but it took time. Provision starts as a seed. God hands you some seed and he says, will you plant this in the right ground? Will you be obedient by being generous by, by tithing of your resources. And if you will plant that seed, if you'll be obedient with it, then you will eventually reap a harvest. It's a promise, but it starts in seed form. The call of God on your life starts out as a seed. It does not take long to read through the Bible to discover that God's timetable for releasing you into your calling is often much different than we try to expedite it in our American Christianity. Look in the Bible and what do you see? You see, God is far more into that slow, cooked, put it on the smoker, let it, let it sit for eight or 10 hours and retain its flavor kind of pace. Samuel comes to David at 16 years old and he anoints him to be king. For 14 years, he slow cooks. For 14 years, he is refined and developed and tested so that at the age of 30, he can step into that calling. Joseph, 17 years old, gets a dream knows it's God, but doesn't quite know how it's gonna materialize. And for the next 13 years, he's in pits and he's in prisons and he's persecuted and he's tested until eventually that thing finally grows up and he becomes the man that God had called him to be at 30 years old. Starts as a seed, but it takes some time. Takes some time. Shoot, the church you're sitting in right now started as a seed. If you've been to Discover, you've heard Robin and I talk about this before. This church started with a passing conversation with our pastor where he just said, hey, I think you guys could do something like that in San Francisco. Boop, seed. And then we watered it. And then we waited. And we dated San Francisco. And we watered and we waited and we watered and we waited 
until that thing began to grow. And here we are, three and a half years later, and it's amazing to see what God has done in three and a half years, but this is not fully matured yet. There is still plenty of growth that God needs to do in this house. That is the speed of seed. Everything in God starts out as a seed. We need to remember the kingdom pace when it comes to these things. Now, all of those would be a great sermon for us to discuss today. We could talk about calling, we could talk about provision, uh, we, we, we could talk uh, about giftings. Uh, all of those would be a worthy sermon topic for this series. Perhaps we'll talk about them at a different time. But there's something I wanna focus on for the next couple of moments that I, I think is one of the greatest areas of frustration when it comes to this pace. And it's a seed that the Bible calls sanctification. In non-theological, more practical terms, it's this. The process whereby you become a lot less like the person you used to be and a lot more like Jesus. Hey, little moment of honesty in church. I'm gonna put all of us on the spot. How many would say, I wish that I was a little further along in God than I am right now? Yeah. I wish I was a little more obedient to his word. I wish I knew the Bible better. I, pray. I wish I was a little more like Jesus. I, I think almost every hand in this room went up. That is an honest declaration. I wish I was a little further along in God than I am. There seems to be this ever-present dissatisfaction with our progress as a believer. And for the record, some of that is healthy. I think we should all have a little bit of dissatisfaction in us when it comes to God. This idea that I am grateful for what God has done, but I am not satisfied because I don't wanna stay here. If you get satisfied, you get stuck and you just settle for a little bit, but that dissatisfaction on the inside of you compels you to keep pressing and to keep fighting and keep believing for something greater than what you're seeing. Like, I'm, I'm grateful for what God has done in the Father's house. Over 600 people giving their life to Christ and hundreds of people being baptized. I'm grateful, but friends, I'm not satisfied with what he's done yet because there are still hundreds of thousands of people that do not know Jesus outside these doors. And as long as they're still out there, we got work to do. So I'm grateful, but, but, I'm, but I'm not satisfied. However, in our dissatisfaction, we need to be careful that we do not allow it to lead to discouragement or disappointment by what we would perceive to be a lack of progress in our spiritual lives. Because here's what I've noticed. Maybe you've noticed this as well. What we often attribute to slow progress is often seed pace. Did you hear that? It's not slow progress, it's seed pace. Jesus said it like this, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. Don't forget the time part. Seed, time, harvest. Hey, it does not take very long to put a seed in the ground. Boop, done. It does not take a whole lot of time to pull a head of corn out of the ground. Boop, done. But there's a whole lot of time between the planting of that seed and the harvest that you're gonna reap. And we need to learn to get comfortable with that time when it comes to sanctification. Like Jesus said in this parable, he said the guy sleeps, and while he's sleeping, he doesn't understand why, but the, the plant continues to grow at night. But don't get it twisted, it may grow at night, but it does not grow up overnight. It takes some time, and sanctification takes some time. It does not happen overnight. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, on our Easter services, you guys heard that we baptized 16 people here at the Father's house. It was a record-breaking Sunday. It was amazing. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're celebrating for sure. Don't do it too long. I don't have that much time left to preach. But um, one of the people we baptized was my youngest daughter, Livy, who is nine years old. 
And uh, we, were, we were praying probably every day for the last couple of years that Livy would make that decision to get water baptized. And, and the reason we were praying so fervently for that to take place is because Robin and I understand the nature of what takes place in baptism. It's not just this religious sacrament that has no power. There's a supernatural thing that takes place in the waters of baptism. Romans 8 says that the old person passes away and a new creation comes up out of those waters. And we wanted our daughter to experience that reality. We wanted the old Livy to die and we wanted a new version that was more obedient. <laughs> and more friendly, and all of those things to come up out of those waters. <laughs> I jest, kind of. So when Livy came up to us and she said, I wanna be baptized on Easter, we were like pumped. We couldn't say yes faster. We're like, yes, yes, you can do that. So it was amazing. We, we, we baptized her after the 11 o'clock service and we celebrated as a family uh, and went home and it was, it was an awesome Easter Sunday. But the next day, uh, the next evening, um, our daughters were fighting as daughters do uh, in the evening and kind of getting at each other's throats and it escalated. It seems to always escalate very quickly in my household. A lot of estrogen there, it's awesome. Um, but uh, <laughs> <woo>! <laughs> uh, but uh, it got to the point where uh, her older sister was so frustrated with her that she does that thing, I don't know if your kids do this, where they just kind of get stiff as a board and then they fall face into their, like, their bed and just start screaming into the mattress. It was one of those moments. So, so Robert and I come in the room, we're trying to console, like, hey, is everything okay? What's going on? And Ellie kind of gets up and she goes, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, Livy got baptized yesterday and I was expecting her to be nicer to me today and kinder to me today. <laughs> and she's still acting the same way to me now that she did beforehand. What did she want? She wanted a microwave. She wanted an overnight transformation. She's like, all right, this is the magic trick. Put her in the water and she comes up a new creation. That's what she was hoping for, right? But hey, she didn't realize baptism is just like everything else in the kingdom. It's a seed. It initiates the transformation process, but it does not happen instantaneously. Jesus said, unless the seed goes into the ground, unless it dies, it can never produce a harvest. So she died, but she is in the process of becoming the woman of God that he has called her to be. And there's a little sprout coming out there for sure. But mark my words, when she is a woman in her late teens and in her early 20s, she will be a mature woman of God because as long as she stays submitted to that process of watering and waiting and watering and waiting, he will grow her up into what he's called her to be. That's how it works. And that's how it works for you. It's, it's fun to laugh at the expectations of an 11-year-old, but if we're honest, like gut honest, so most of us think faith works sometimes too. I come to Jesus and ding, I'm new. We expect this instantaneous transformation. And when we don't see it at the pace we want it, we begin to make statements like, I should be further along than I am right now. How am I still doing that thing? Why do I still think like this? I still have this addiction. I still have this mindset. I'm still dealing with shame and, and, and regret and guilt and all the stuff that I was dealing with before Jesus. Maybe this thing doesn't even work. And before you know it, you're playing the Romans 7 game where Paul says, the things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I can't I seem to keep on doing. And I'm a wretched, miserable individual. What a great Bible verse to put on your, your, your refrigerator right there. I'm a horrible person. Nobody likes me, I might just go eat worms. Like that's, that's how we end up thinking about this faith. But that's microwave mentality, people. You cannot microwave maturity. It does not happen overnight. 
Sanctification does not happen overnight. Let me encourage somebody right now. You are still in process. In fact, turn to someone next to you, just tell them, I'm still in process. Come on, that feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. And nobody expects perfection in the middle of process. Hey, Jesus does not expect perfection from your life. He expects you to just remain in the process. Here's Jesus' expectation for you. Just keep following me. And when you fall and when you fail, because you will, you pick yourself back up and you just keep following Jesus. Hey, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it if you just keep following Jesus. Keep opening up your Bible when you blew it the night before. Keep asking for forgiveness in prayer. Keep showing up to church on a Sunday morning if you still smell a little bit like Saturday night. Keep putting one foot in front of the other and following Jesus. And mark my words, if you water and you wait and you water and you wait, you will become the version that God has intended for you all along. There is a harvest coming. That's the pace of the kingdom. And maybe you're here today and say, Tim, listen, I, I, I get that. I do that. I am patient with myself and I know how to get up and dust myself off and follow Jesus again. I, I know how to do that. Okay, that's awesome. Let me pose another question to you. Do you extend the same grace to other people that you're willing to extend to yourself? Do you embrace the speed of seed and the way that you deal with others in your life? Or do you put unrealistic expectations on them that you would never place on yourself? Do you expect things of your children? Do you expect things of your spouse? You should be, why'd you say amen? And he should be further along with now. Why is he still treating me like that? Why does she still talk to me like that? What about your friends, your family members? What about the people that you see around you in church? You're like, I know what you post on Instagram. I know the life that you're living. And you have the audacity to lift your hands and worship and pretend to be a Christian? Are you extending the same grace to other people that you're willing to give yourself? Or are you, a, are you a whole lot more generous with the person in the mirror, not realizing that you're shaming the very people that are probably doing the same things that you are? Be careful in your condemning of others, and your judgment of others, that you do not criticize their pace. Because God could be slow cooking something inside that individual that you don't even see. You don't even know what's happening. You don't even know the ways that God's speaking to them right now. And just as he is faithful to complete the work in you, he will be faithful to finally, eventually complete the work in them. Let me say it like this. If you, if you struggle with that, let me offer you a little bit of advice. Stop condemning, start watering. Start watering. You wanna see transformation in other people's lives? Water them. How do you water people? You encourage them. You bless them and don't curse them. 
you pray for them. Even when you feel like they should be further along, you look them in the eyes and you say, I am proud of the progress that you have made in God. You water and you wait and you water and you wait. And just as it is true for you, it is true for them. If you will be faithful to water the people in your world, if you water your children, if you water your spouse, if you water your coworkers, if you water your family members, if you water that person in your small group that keeps making the same mistake over and over and over again, just watch as they elevate to the occasion, as they begin to grow into the person that God has called them to be. This is the promise of this parable. If you will follow the pace of the kingdom, if you will surrender to the speed of seed, eventually you will see what you were hoping to see all along. But you can't rush the process. You can't rush the process. Uh, one more thought, and the band's gonna come because I have to stop. But there's a second truth here in this parable that I wanna conclude with today, and it's found in the second parable uh, that we read this morning about the mustard seed. And, and here is the second truth. If we will be faithful to water and wait and water and wait, here, here's the truth, write this down. The seed will eventually take over. The seed will eventually take over. Uh, last scripture here, Mark chapter four, verse 32. The kingdom, Jesus said, is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of the garden plants. Here is the secondary application of this text. Jesus is saying the word of God is like a seed and it is planted in your heart. And if that seed is watered and we wait, eventually his rule, his reign, remember our definition, will take over in your life. Eventually it will consume everything else in your life. Here's this analogy. Your life is like a garden and the word of God is like a seed. And that seed is planted at some point. Maybe it took a while, maybe you came to church for a little bit of time, maybe you had conversations with a friend about Jesus and you weren't ready to receive it. But there was a moment, maybe for some here today, today is that moment where you open up the ground of your heart and you say, I'm ready to receive the seed. I'm ready to consider the fact that maybe God is real. Maybe Jesus did love me enough that he came to this planet to give his life for me. And I'm accepting this plan his purpose and his forgiveness and I'm stepping out into the unknown with him and, and then that seed turns into water baptism you say okay I'm going to give, give my life completely over and die to the old me and come up a new creation and, and as that seed gets planted and it takes root suddenly things that didn't make sense before begin to come alive you, you open up this book that was very confusing before but now it, it feels like you're reading it for the first time and it's reading you and it's coming alive in your heart. And you begin to love worshiping Jesus and you find yourself praying in the middle of the day. and You just long to be in the presence of God. Something's being planted in you. And then your, your convictions start to change. Suddenly the things that didn't bother you before start to bother you now. Suddenly that relationship that you were content on defending before and staying committed to just doesn't feel like it works any longer because you two are heading in completely different directions. Suddenly those things that used to make you laugh are now making you cry. And those things that you used to celebrate are feeling empty and hollow. And you just, you can't find fulfillment in the things you were doing before. As your convictions change, your passions change and your pursuits change and you're like, man, I'm growing growing. One day you, you realize, I can't remember the last time I fell into that temptation. 
I can't remember the last time I, I thought like that about somebody or I, I, I entertained that broken mindset. It's like, it's like Romans knew what it was talking about. I'm no longer being conformed to the pattern of this world, but I'm being transformed by the, by the renewing of my mind. And, and you're growing and you're watering and you're growing and you're watering. What's happening? There's, there's a maturity that's taking place as you wait. You are being sanctified. And, and then suddenly the, the things that you used to mock before are now the, the ways you can't wait to spend your time. You used to make fun of the people that showed up early to church. You're like, ah, suckers. Now you're like, I just want to volunteer my time to serve people because I'm here to serve. I give freely of my resources because I understand that they weren't mine in the first place. They were a gift from God and they were to be leveraged and used and stewarded for the purpose of extending the borders of his kingdom. And I, I'm not chasing the things of this life anymore. I don't desire the things that everybody else desires because this is not it. I understand that there is an eternity at stake. And so I'm living for something beyond here. And now I'm living for eternity and everything begins to change. What's happening? The mustard seed that started small is beginning to take over your life. Eventually, finally, trust me, if you are faithful to wait and water and wait and water. The Word of God, the seed of the gospel, it will take over the entirety of your life. Do not rush it, surrender to His speed, but be faithful to keep following Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm gonna pray for you as we conclude. If you're, uh, you're gonna find yourself in one of two categories this morning, I wanna pray for both categories of people. First group would be this. Maybe you're here this morning and say, hey, Tim, I, I have grown weary in doing good, as, as Paul says. I, I, have, um, I haven't felt like I've made much progress in a long time and I beat myself up about it. I am that person that's criticizing the pace of my journey. I, I just want the Holy Spirit to come alongside you today and encourage you. If, if that's you this morning, would you just receive this prayer? Maybe you can lift both hands towards heaven if you want as we pray over this. But Father, I just, I pray over every person in this room that feels beat down and discouraged and feels like they've been making no progress in you or that they've been lagging in their race. God, I pray right now that they would surrender to the speed of seed, that they would understand that you are doing a work in their heart, that you are doing a work in their life, that they would be grateful and not critical but they would not ever be satisfied and they would keep pressing and fighting for the version that you've called them to be. We trust you in this process, in this sanctification process in Jesus, in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed for one more moment. Second group of people I wanna pray for, maybe you are the person I was speaking of a moment ago. Today, you need to open up the ground of your heart to the seed of the gospel and say, I need to, to start this relationship with Christ. I need to give him my life today. Maybe you did once before, but you've been at a distance, or maybe today's the first time you need to make a decision to, to follow him. I wanna pray a simple prayer of commitment with you before you leave. Uh, and before I pray that, here's what I'd ask you to do. Um, I'm gonna ask you to identify yourself, and there's a reason for this. I, I literally pray over the week for the faces, the hands that we see on Sunday. And, and, and if that's you, I wanna pray with you that you'd be able to start this journey strong with Christ today. So if you need to make that commitment and pray this prayer with me, would you quickly lift up your hand and look at me today so I know who I'm praying with? Thank you, ma'am. Got you in the back. Yeah, right there. Awesome. Got you right over there. Right over here. Cool. 
Thank you, Jesus. All right, you can pray this under your breath uh, or you can, you don't even have to say it out loud. You can just repeat it in your heart after me. Say, Jesus, today, open my heart and I receive your word. I believe you are who you say you are. And today I decide to follow you. Help me to be your disciple, to grow in your ways from this day forward until the moment I see you in heaven. You say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that's been set before you. Today, I give you all of me and I receive all of you in return. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.